Chris, Melanie, and Frank are back with episode four. This week, they discuss Trump's leaked audio regarding coronavirus, how more millennials are living at home than ever before, the 9-11 anniversary, Odell Beckham's dirty little secret, the end of keeping up with the Kardashians, and Chris's fantasy football team. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to Keep Blaming Millennials with your host, Icky Felony Melanie and Frankosaurus Fresh. We're glad to have you back for a fourth episode. We are happy to announce that we have some new social media pages up. We've just created a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Please, please follow us on both pages. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks to the fans for listening so far. Uh, so, Melanie and I just moved from Miami to Denver, and we got a little uh, experience of the Denver crazy weather. So, the, what the past two weeks, Melanie, it has been ninety-nine degrees, and this past Tuesday and Wednesday, it dropped to thirty degrees, and we had snow. Our first snow. <laughs> so that was I've never. And... <laughs> I never really experienced going from 99 degrees for two weeks to all of a sudden a sudden drop to the 30s and snow. So that was kind of interesting, kind of shocking. The dog hated it. but Yeah, Hen did not like it. Um, and you also have to make note that this is the second time in Colorado's history that they've had like snow this early. So this is not a normal occurrence, even though Colorado has bipolar weather. Um, Def- definitely an interesting experience. Yes, it was quite uh, shocking to our Miami asses, but we're enjoying it. No humidity, nice weather, and it's back to, what is it, 65 degrees today? Like 50, I think. Oh, and you forgot to mention that Colorado was on fire. So Sunday was, I mean, literally raining ash. We had ash on our car from a forest fire that was like 60 miles away. And then, and then it started snowing. So thankfully, we got some precipitation because I think that fire is finally out. Well, the country is burning. California is on fire for a botched gender reveal. We'll get to that later. And Colorado is still on fire, I think, as of right now, a little bit. I don't think it completely knocked out uh, the fires. Uh, we had a hurricane, what, in Louisiana a couple weeks ago? Yeah, two hurricanes in the Gulf at the same time. <laughs> so the weather in America is quite interesting right now. So you guys might be wondering, where is Frankosaurus Fresh? Where is Frankie? I know it's a little quiet than usual on the show. Um, to be honest with you, he bailed on us today. We have no idea um, where he is. Um, I personally, Melanie thinks I'm crazy, but I have some suspicions about what happened to Frank. Um, last week, we were really happy. We got a new sponsor of the show, Pfizer. Um, Shout out to Pfizer. Keep sponsoring. Keep blaming millennials. Uh, but, you know, one of the things with Pfizer that they hooked us up with and uh, they gave us some free samples of the, you know, their newest products, Trumperall and Sleepy Joe. And I'm Melanie, I'm really I have a feeling Frank has been abusing them. Um, I, the reason why I'm suspect about him abusing the free samples, you know, I take the Trumperall in the morning, one at night. Mm-hmm. You know, he mentioned last time taking them He's, both an upper and a yes. down at the same time. And he took more than one. He took more than one. We told him to read the directions, but Frank never listens to anybody. So 
Um, so these are some of the texts I received over the past few days that has me um, just really just wondering what the hell Frank is doing with those free samples. Uh, so here's some of the texts I received with no context. Uh, first text, uh, 7 a.m. on Monday. Chris, you know I've done more things for black people than arguably Abraham Lincoln. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what that's pertaining to, but that's the first text. Um, so then I get another text on Tuesday. Chris, you know COVID is just a hoax to take me down. Um, weird, no context, nothing again. Third text around, I'd say around 6.56 on Wednesday. Crazy story, bro. Crazy story. Just confused my sister for my mom. I hope Frank is all right. Uh, it's not, that's really not a good sign when you're confusing your sister for your mom. Um, then he, I received three more texts, no context. Bro, why don't we just shoot them in the leg? No idea what he's talking about. Chris, stop acting like a goddamn pony soldier and come chill. Frank, I live in Denver. I don't live in Florida. I cannot chill with you. And then his last text where I completely have no idea where this came from. Chris, if you ain't black, you ain't with me. So to me, this feels like he's been taking Trump roll and sleepy Joe at the same time, uh, an upper and a downer, not following the prescription, uh, the directions on the bottle. So um, has me a little concerned, Melanie. Um, you said that we received an email just what, 10 minutes before the show? Yeah, I mean, yeah, those those texts are definitely not like Frank. Um, but we did receive an email just about 10 minutes ago. I'll just go ahead and read what it says. Hey, guys, sorry I couldn't make the show today. I may have finally got the big break I've been looking for. Just got off the Lolita Express and am currently hanging out on Jeffrey Epstein's private island with my Uncle Soros. I've been quite surprised. I've met so many celebrities. My uncle is so well-connected, it's unbelievable. Just had lunch with Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, Tom Hanks, and the leader of Antifa, Joe Biden. It really- oh, shit. Yeah, and crazy, right? Um, it's really a dream come true. Guys, the adrenochrome is amazing. It's delicious. I feel, <laughs> I feel so revitalized. The views are stunning. We're just planning some good stuff for the election in the new year. Can't wait for you all to see what's next. I'll try my best to be back for next week's episode. Cheers, Pura Vida. Oh, wow. He gave us a nice little Costa, yeah. Costa Rica exit, uh, exit right there. So, is, is, yeah, is he in Costa Rica or Jeffrey Epstein's island? <laughs> he's either with his uncle soros or he's tripping balls right now on trump Roll and sleepy joe so i mean shout out to frank if you know he's you know really hanging out with his uncle soros you know he got to meet you know the leader of antifa joe biden i'm really i mean i'm i'm happy for him it's a dream come true for him he's always wanted to meet the leader of um antifa so here it is he met tom hanks good for frank he's coming up in the world so hopefully you know Hopefully this job opportunity really works out for him. So we'll start off the show with, I know why we have Trump fatigue on the show. I'm so tired of talking about him. He's like the Kardashian president. I feel like I'm going to hear he's dating James Harden soon or ASAP Rocky. Like, I feel like that's what's <laughs> next. I'm so overhearing uh, about Trump and it's just, I have Trump fatigue. I'm so over it. But so over 
so we're first melanie what we heard about the atlantic rec uh the atlantic article with anonymous sources yes saying that he was talking smack about veterans i could see how people can brush it off you said there's no sources this or that um whatever that that story it's funny how that story just came and went um he trashed mm -hmm. supposedly what vietnam vets were being dumb for going to uh vietnam and things like that and then we just transitioned that story disappeared they said it was fake there was no source or the sources were anonymous nobody would put their name behind it so it kind of just gotten eaten up in the news and then we moved on to um the bob woodward story so the quote and this broke yesterday, right? This broke yesterday, yes. So why this is a little more, or this has more substance to it is because, Melanie, there is video recordings, or excuse me, uh, sound recordings, okay? So his interviews were recorded, so there's no denying of the comments. The comments that got him in trouble, uh, and I quote, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create panic, Mr. Trump told Woodward. While the Trump administration sent mixed messages on mask wearing in public, the president openly mocked his political opponent, Joe Biden, for donning a face covering while pushing states to reopen in the spring. Into the summer, President Trump alleged the virus will go away on its own and told thousands gathered at crowded campaign rallies in, Texas, uh, in Tulsa, okay, that he directed officials to slow down COVID-19 testing. So this is after he knew and admitted that it was more dangerous than the flu. Mm-hmm. And more deadly than the flu. But he continued to he said he didn't want to cause panic uh panic. Um he said the last thing we can show is panic or excitement or fear or anything else. President Trump responded Wednesday when probed about the admin administration's pandemic response. We had to take care of the situation we were given. Um so Melanie, when you hear these comments, obviously we don't have our producer today to hear the quotes, but they're all over the news. You can find them and listen to Trump's um trump's voice himself um basically downplaying this whole thing from february when you hear when you heard the story no i guess it was sound, really january he knew in january so but this he knew in january but he made these comments in february, in february. To Bob okay yes okay so when you hear these comments melanie what was your first thoughts um just just angry just the fact that he is admitting that he knew it was this bad and he just made this entire situation worse. Um, the fact that like he knew the entire time and he could have just made our, the American response to the coronavirus a lot better than it's currently going. I guess he politicized it. It's just, just blows my mind. And he's just, to me, he's incompetent. I mean, this, this screams incompetence to me, like how, you know it, you know, like you clearly don't care about the American people. Like you don't, it just, it just blows my mind. And had he taken this seriously from the start, I don't think it would be where we are right now. And the fact that he doesn't want to cause panic, like, bro, you still caused panic. I mean, people, I mean, we've seen it. There's videos of people like fighting. There's all those people, you know, doing the protests of the mask. I oh, mean, yeah, we had the, so yeah, this, that's, you kind of transitioned me right into one of my points. He said, oh, I didn't want to cause panic. Well, if you didn't want to cause panic, why were you uh, tweeting out on April 17th, two months after this, while we were on lockdown, he's tweeting out um, 
liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota, liberate Virginia, and all these people, these cosplayers with their AK-47s going to what the government buildings, state capitals, state capitals yeah. telling people they want everything opened up. They're not want to wearing mask. They're over it. Like he's causing panic. He's telling people, Oh, you know, his excuse right now. Oh, I didn't want to cause panic. Then why are you getting people going? Why were you doing that? What was the point of that? Um, I, yeah, no, I I'm with you. Like it, it just, it just blows my mind. I mean, instead of what our, I, I don't know what the exact count is. I'm imagining we're close to 200,000 deaths. We're at, I think we're currently at, as of today, I read that we're currently at 191,000 deaths. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, all of this could have been avoided. He just could have been like, hey, and we, and the thing is like you, me, Frank, we've talked about this. Like he just could have handled the situation better. And now that he's admitting that he knew, I mean, I, I feel like I'm not surprised by, by this, but it's, it's just unbelievable. Like, what were you doing? Like, why aren't you listening to your advisors? Instead of having 190,000 people dead, maybe we would only have like 50,000, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just insane. And if this, I feel like he was too concerned about the stock market. I feel like that's what he was protecting more than anything and not the people. He just didn't want to cause panic on the stock market because he's always, for some reason, he connects the stock market to the economy and the economy is clearly not the stock market as you've seen the unemployment numbers, the food lines. Um, So I feel like he's just trying to protect his investors. Uh, That's just one of my guesses why he continued to make a mockery, even though he knew these things. Like why, I feel like the simple things of like, if he just said, hey, mandate mask." All right, let's try to keep the economy open or let's quarantine for two weeks. Everyone wear their mask. It stops the spread. Guys, this is deadly. This is dangerous. I honestly believe, Melanie, if the president was just empathetic and said, hey, guys, it was just honest with the public. Hey, guys, this is deadly. It's airborne. Let's wear just a mask, wear a mask, distance. social distance the best you can, and let's try to like move on with our lives. It's going to be tough. Just showed empathy and just was honest with the American people. I would bet everything on my bank account right now that he would be winning in the polling right now. Oh, absolutely. I think he would be, he would be done. I don't even think this would be a race right now. I honestly believe he was empathetic from day one and honest with the American people. And just, just, even if it was pretending, even if it was all an act, I honestly believe his polling numbers would be a lot better. Maybe not winning because you've, I'm taking out the social unrest and um, you know, all the, the social unrest and all those issues right now, the protests, the writing, that whole other situation. I know that's kind of moved the sticks a lot in the polling too, but um, I feel like the coronavirus, I, I feel like his his chances of got, getting reelected would have been much better right now, according to the polling, if you want to believe the polling, that's another mm-hmm. discussion. But according to the polling, his chances right now would be a lot better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I feel like... Um... You know, there's obviously, I think, some conservatives that are definitely on the fence with him, and I think they're starting to be pushed to the left, and maybe had he handled this better, they would have been like, okay, at least he can handle a pandemic, like, I'll still vote for him. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just unbelievable. Well, I mean, this was the, I mean, I've always said it about the Trump um administration yeah that he wasn't gonna be able to handle a challenge well i mean he's i mean let's be honest i mean when he got elected in 2016 um he inherited unemployment at 4.7 percent 
the economy was moving. It was, you know, it was rebounded. It was doing well under Obama. Um, you, the president said the things were so awful and so terrible, but he inherited 4.7 unemployment. Those are the numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I understand he did the major tax cuts and really got the economy going, really got things sparked up. Um, but he never really faced a challenge and everyone gave an excuses for all his antics and his rhetoric. Cause it was like, Hey, the economy's good. Like, Oh, that's cute. Trump said this. Oh, that's funny. Or he said this, or, you know, great people on both sides. Oh, whatever. The economy's great. My 401k. Like nobody cared about that rhetoric, but now that the economy's shit, uh, people are sick. We have, you know, we're going to be at 200,000 deaths, you know, before the election easy. Um, now it's not funny. Now it's not cute. And to hear that this there's recordings of him saying he knew how deadly it was. He knew how dangerous it was. And to him to downplay it, like, it's just, it's just hard to really understand um, the mindset behind it. You know, like, I, I guess he was just panicking because it's an election year. I mean, maybe that's why he did what he did. Still tries to downplay it. He's had, it's just, it's just not an excuse though. Like, fuck that. Like you're the president of the most powerful country in the world. You got elected by the people and do your job, you know, like look out for the American people, say what you want to say about all those other presidents. At least they, they did something like, you know, like he had, once again, he has information and he's just like, I'm going to ignore it. Um, No. And then I, I think now too, like, I think we all have COVID fatigue and just like, just, just to hear this, it's, it's just like, oh my God. Like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like we, it's, it's September. This has been going on for six months. Had you handled this better? We still wouldn't, like, we wouldn't be in this situation. We would look a lot better. We would probably kind of look like Europe right now where they're, they're pretty much back to normal, things like that. You know, or maybe we could be like Wuhan, but that's definitely not the case. Yeah. And you see uh, people partying nonstop over the weekend for Labor Day. Um, he's had, I saw today in Michigan, he's having a giant rally um, in Michigan today in an airport hangar. And you see the photos, they're all online. I mean, Melanie, everyone's packed shoulder to shoulder. You see just a handful of people wearing masks. And after it's just, it's just really hard to digest and see this. And just, it's like some, it's like the other half of this country or 30% of the country, whatever percentage you want to put it at, are living in a different dimension of like news yeah. cycle or they don't want to believe I, I understand how it's hard for people to believe something they can't see when it comes to global warming or coronavirus um well, let's not get into religion that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> <laughs> you'll believe the the thing you can't see but anyway sorry um but it's just hard to digest just seeing this clips come out um these sound bites come out and then to know how dangerous this has been for certain people in this country um, some things, you know, more testing, contract tracing, um, just mandating masks. Like, it's amazing, like, where we, you know, could be, you know, it would have, mm-hmm. am I saying there would have been no deaths? No, I understand that. This is no, something it's, countries it was, never it's felt. Inevitable. Yeah. yeah, these deaths were going to come, you know, I understand. I'm not saying if a Democrat was in there or just any other president, it would have been, you know, perfect and be zero deaths. No, but could we have, instead of 200,000 deaths, maybe 100,000, 20,000, 60,000? That's a lot better numbers, um, but we'll never know, um, unfortunately. And people can stay, continue to just 
I mean, you see people online all the time on social media saying, fuck these masks. This is all bullshit. It's fake. I mean, fuck, we're in, I mean, September now and people are still Six doing months. that. Six months. Unbelievable. Um, so some of the things also um, I wanted to talk about, um, I, I, whenever something happens like this, uh, I like to turn on right-wing media to see what their response is, how they're defending their leader. And um, man, um, so like we talked about, like it was easy for white-wing media to dismiss the Atlantic's um, article about Trump trashing veterans mm-hmm. because there's, um, you know, no sources. Anon- no anonymous sources, you know, nobody put their name behind it. So I could see how everyone would just be like, fuck that fake news. Uh, but this though, there's sound and you turn on Tucker Carlson. He's the most popular anchor and show on Fox news right now. This was his excuse yesterday for Donald Trump. Um, the video, you could see it online. He basically blamed Lindsey Graham for letting Trump be interviewed on tape. That's who he blamed for this, <laughs> this, this whole soundbite. He didn't blame Trump or the comments or where we're at right now. He blamed Lindsey Graham for setting up and saying Lindsey Graham is trying to sabotage Donald Trump. How, how does this fall back on Lindsey Graham? Like, like the senator, right? Like from South Carolina. Yes. Yes. On, I, on his, how, th- yeah, he, he said that he, he set up this interview for Bod Woodward to go to the white house and, um, have these 18 interviews recorded on the record. Um, supposedly he helped with the back channel. According to Tucker Carlson, I haven't heard that anywhere else, but still, I don't know how you hear the comments about the president knowing how dangerous it was, lying about it, calling it a hoax, you know, saying it's going to go away, telling all of his followers liberate, you know, things like that, but then blame Lindsey Graham. It's a, it's deflection at its best. That's like, this is like the Michael Jordan of deflecting last night. Um, and it was just hard to watch and understand that um, Tucker Carlson would even say something like that. And of course, I don't know this. I w- I'm really curious. I didn't have time today to really see if you had to bet money, Melanie, do you think Fox news, Sean Henney and Tucker Carlson played the sound bites from the Bodward interviews or no? No, why would they? Yeah. I, I, I would like to know if they did next show. I'll try to see if we can find that out, but I, I don't think they would. You know what? I'm just, I'm going to quote Michelle Obama, what she said in her DNC speech a couple of weeks back. It is what it is. <laughs> God, the, the fucking, that's the, that's the cliche of 2020. It is what yeah, it is. It is what it is. I'm so fucking tired of that cliche. I felt like that was like something I used to use as like one of the things, like if I, something I can't control in life and I was like, yeah, it is, oh, what, it is, is what it is. And now everybody just, just, that's what you've heard all 2020. Yeah. But um, anyways, um, so to transition to the other part of this, so we talked about the comments, um, Bob, Bob Woodward, the man who interviewed Trump, um, if anyone isn't familiar with Bob Woodward, um, he's one of the most famous and best investigative journalists we have in this country. Okay. Uh, he helped expose the Watergate scandal that led to Richard Nixon resigning. Okay. Uh, he's written critical books from sources and interviews over the years about Nixon, George Bush, Bill Clinton, George W., and Obama. So this isn't like some partisan hack. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, tra- he's made books, you know, exposing all presidents um, that I've mentioned. And know what's crazy about this? You're going to laugh. And you're probably going to think I'm bullshitting. He wrote a book 
called fear that was highly critical of Trump in 2018, Melanie. Okay. From interviews of people that were working in the Trump White House. Okay. So I'm not the smartest guy in the world, Melanie. I'm not the smartest. I'm not, I don't even think I'm the smartest guy in the room half the time. All right. But I'm just using this thing called logic. I don't think a lot of people use it anymore. But let me see if this makes sense to you. An investigative journalist, one of the most popular and respected respected in the country in the world has taken has you know took down richard nixon has come out with books of all All the the previous all the presidents he's written about a book about donald trump in 2018 trashing him and somehow donald trump and his team let bob woodward come back into the white house have 18 interviews that were recorded on the record. Am I, am I stupid for saying who would let him do this? Did, did, did someone in his camp think that, I don't know, if you look at someone's record, like you, you thought Bob Woodward was going to write a puff piece about you to hype you up for your reelection? Like, am I not getting something Am I getting something wrong here? Because I'm assuming if you have Bob Bob Woodward in the White House, he's going to write a book trashing you, right? Am I, what do you you think of that whole, my whole thing called logic? No, Chris, it's Lindsey Graham. Sorry. It's all Lindsey Graham's fault. Lindsey Graham. No, you, no, you are right. Like if he wrote that book in 2018 and obviously was very critical of him, you're right. His people should have been maybe a little more hesitant on inviting him back. Um, No, that's definitely falls. Blame falls on the Trump campaign or the Trump admin for, for doing that. But like I said, it is what it is. It's just hard to believe that. Bob Woodward's, I believe, 77 years old. You let a guy that has made a career off of taking down presidents and trashing them off of great journalism, by the way, getting, you know, sources and recordings and um, (laughs) you let him in the White House, even after he made a book just two years ago, trashing you. It's hard to believe in an election year, you would even want him within a hundred yards like he's like a you know like a sex offender of the white house that's the last guy (laughs) you would want in the white house but for some reason trump is like yeah man come on in let's chill let's hang out hey unless unless trump is truly that delusional i I don't even know i mean i don't know i don't know like maybe he's that delusional and he's like, oh, I can redeem myself. I can really show him how well I'm yeah, doing. Bob Woodward is going to write a puff piece about me because he's come on. The history stuck. he's done it so many times. Anyways, that's just that. You know what's funny to me is that that part is the hardest to believe about this whole story. Like him saying it, and like when I heard the quote and everything, I was like, okay, I'm not surprised he said that. But like understanding, like it was Bob Woodward, that was like the most surprising thing, like about the whole story to me. Call me crazy. Anyways. Let's move on from that. Um, so the coronavirus, coronavirus, uh, Oxford University uh, vaccine trial paused after participant falls ill. Um, mm-hmm. Final critical, excuse me, final clinical trials of coronavirus vaccine developed by AstraZeneca. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. And no, Oxford. I think Uni- that's right. No, you think it's right? No. I was going to pronounce it that way too. We'll run with it. And Oxford University have been put on hold after a participant 
had a suspected adverse reaction in the UK. Um, AstraZeneca described it as a routine pause in the case Mm -hmm. of unexplained illness. The outcome of the vaccine trials is being closely watched around the world. The AstraZeneca Oxford University vaccine is seen as a strong contender among dozens being developed globally. Hopes have been high that the vaccine might be the first to come out of the market following a successful phase one and phase two. Uh, so they had some trouble in phase three. They're testing it. Um, when you hear that story, Melanie, are you surprised? Are you not surprised? Um, well, from what I understand, they're still in the op- they can't tell if the um, the hospitalization is from the virus. Apparently, the, the the test patient had some type of like spinal inflammation. Um, so they are trying to figure out what caused that. I will say, I think what's a little promising is they are being transparent. They are saying like, Hey, you know, we did have, we did have an issue. They're being transparent about it. At least they're not trying to rush the vaccine. So I guess that's a little promising. Um, and really, I guess we'll see what happens with the other 30,000 people. I mean, if they all end up being fine, maybe this is that one person, um, you know, it's like, maybe it's like a fluke or it's just that reaction. I mean, we all know that everyone takes something and they have adverse reaction. So maybe, maybe that's just that one person. Um, I'm going to be hopeful because I told you, like, I have COVID fatigue. I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah, most definitely. I think everyone's over this shit. Um, but I guess the one good sign of it is, is they're not rushing it. Um, there were some side effects mm-hmm. and they're being patient with it. I know, uh, the president is praying and he's saying that um, he's been quoted a couple of times saying we're going to get one before the election. Um, you first before me, put it like that. If we're going to go right before the election and have a vaccine. Um, I just hope they just are careful. This doesn't get politicized. It's funny. He doesn't want to believe in the science about protecting ourselves from coronavirus, but he wants science to bail him out with a vaccine. It's funny how that works, right? Anyways, mm-hmm. that's my last comment. <laughs> Um, towards this vaccine, but I know there's plenty of companies developing it right now and I'm praying, man, I'd love to be back to normal in January. That just sounds nice. Just that's what I'm praying for. I have no (laughs) expectations on anything, but right in time for my birthday. Oh, there you go. (laughs) There you go. So transitioning into our next story, um, a call for, I call police for a woman who is changing clothes in an alley. A new program in Denver sends mental health professionals instead of police. So Denver's police department has started a new program. Uh, Denver's new support team assistance response program, also known as STAR, which sends mental health professionals and a paramedic to some 911 calls instead of police. It launched um, June 1st. The STAR van has responded to more than 350 calls, replacing police in matters that don't threaten public safety, and are often connected to unmet mental or physical needs. Uh, The goal is to connect people who pose no danger with services and resources while freeing up police to respond to more serious calls. Uh, The team is not armed and has not called for police backup in the 350 calls. The program has been in the works for years, but finally got off the ground in Denver after the George Floyd protest. As of now, the STAR team handles a small fraction of the 600,000 calls the Denver Police Department receives, but the department is tracking calls across the city to see if many could be handled by STAR if they were expanded. 
Uh, right now, the program, Melanie, uh, lasts, or it's been up for six months, uh, runs between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. So obviously, it's still not 24 hours, mm-hmm. probably what it needs to be, um, still in the testing stages. But Denver Police Chief Paul Pazin says about the, uh, the STAR program, instead of putting people in cuffs, we're trying to meet their needs. Um, your reaction? Um, no, I think it's awesome. I think this is this is a reform that we need. I think it's great for you know the cops. I, they deal with everything. I'm obviously I am I am critical of them. I also realize that they have a very hard job to do. I also know they they deal with. I mean, some of these calls that they get, they really don't like. They're not they're not equipped to be handling it. They don't need to be doing that. They need to be doing like their real job. Um, no, I think it's awesome. Mental health obviously is a huge issue. I think a lot of the problems we see with homelessness and things like that is due to mental health. And it's great that now, you know, we're not getting the, the police involved. Um, they're not getting inundated. Um, this would be awesome to see if they do this program, you know, not just in, in Denver, but they start to branch it out across the United States. Um, just so you're, you're sending true professionals. Um, I had read one of the, like with that article, um, I guess one woman, she was crying, really upset um, somewhere in Denver and someone called 911 and then the star team arrived and I guess she's homeless and she got lost and she was just, you know, just full of anxiety and stressed out and they helped, uh, you know, gave her water, talked, talked to her, calmed her down and then took her to her, um, like where she was trying to go. So I think it's great. Um, I think these are the type of like reforms we need to see in policing. I don't think police need to be, you know, the first, the first people that we call with a lot of this stuff. I think if we can do more community driven, uh, driven things, we can, we can see a better result. So I'm all for it. And then the great thing too, is like, if, if this situation were to escalate, that star program literally has 911 on speed dial. So the cops can show up if, if needed. And that's awesome that they haven't, they haven't needed police intervention. No, I, I actually think this is hopefully something um, new and good in the right direction um, for how we deal with mental health in this country. Um, so my background, I was a firefighter paramedic um, on the fields. So I've been a first responder going to calls with cops. Um, I was a paramedic in one of Fort Lauderdale's busiest hospitals. Um, so I've dealt with a lot of these mental patients and um, or people suffering with mental issues. And it's not easy. Um, it's hard talking people. It's hard to calm people down or, you know, people that already have severe mental issues and you're putting them in a stressful situation. They see a cop, um, they get scared, they get, um, you know, they're just very nervous. They act out. And also too, um, I think another positive thing about this program is that, you know, for the police's sake, I feel like we're not stretching them so thin, you know, they're not Mm -hmm. equipped to handle someone who is homeless, who is, you know, may have severe mental issues that may be a, um, uh, you know, the paramedic and the, what is it? Um, not the, it's the other person that's there with them, a social social worker, worker, a social worker. So the social worker and the paramedic are more, have more skills to deal with these type of people. And you're not stressing the police out. Um, you know, it's not like 
I think that's one of the issues in this country, in my opinion, and one of the reasons why we see some of the um, crazy, not crazy, but like just trying to think of the proper wording, just maybe too much force handled on maybe the wrong type of people. Um, I think these cops are stressed out. I think they're burned out. Um, I think sometimes they resort to um, being physical way quicker because they don't have the time, patience, and they don't have, they're not equipped to deal with someone who may be, you know, who has severe mental problems. So I think I'd have to imagine police officers would love this program to expand. It's something that they don't have to worry about. I mean, I've heard some cities even have the police officers act as like dog catchers or like, yeah. you know, like that. I mean, what do we do in sending people, you know, if we can make cops jobs easier, maybe less stressed and not stretch them out so thin, you know, maybe we don't have to send them to calls with homeless, mentally ill people. That's not violent. Um, to, you know, dealing with, um, you know, unruly dogs, like, you know, have them deal with serious, more, um, serious situations that they're equipped to deal with. So I think this program is really helpful. Um, and I, I hope this is something that will grow. And um, I, I don't see any negatives about it. I don't, I, I can't imagine um, police enforcement being unhappy with a program like this, if it takes off um, work and stress from them, um, maybe from a financial standpoint, maybe they see it as some of them losing their jobs or not being as funded as well. Maybe that's another discussion, but I feel like maybe this is, this is what helps bring more trust um, in the community with first responders and, you know, mentally ill, the homeless. Um, so we'll see. And we hope this continues. I think this is a cool program that Denver um, is starting and, and being progressive and trying something out new. Yeah. And I know the police chief, he's on board with it and they've predicted because they do want to expand the program and bring on more, more counselors. They do not think it's going to cut into the police budget. So that's, that's good news. Yeah, no, that's awesome news. So hopefully we see more programs like this um, happening across the country. So um, a new story came out by Pew Research um, Center study. A majority of young adults in the U.S. live with their parents for the first time since the Great Depression. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak has pushed millions of Americans, especially young adults, to move in with family members. The share of 18 to 29-year-olds living with their parents has become a majority um, has become a majority since US coronavirus cases began spreading earlier this year surpassing the previous peak during the great depression era in july 52% of young adults resided with one or both of their parents up from 47% in february according to the new pew research center analysis of monthly census bureau data the number living with their parents grew to 26.6 million, an increase of 2.6 million from February. Man, those numbers are hard to hear. When you hear those, Melanie, are you surprised? Is that, is that shocking you? No, it's not shocking to me. We know, you know, we know firsthand a lot of people, you know, a lot of millennials and Gen Z now because they're they're coming of age are staying home just because you know the economy is so different and the pricing you know prices prices price of housing and things like that and i know this pandemic is just making it worse so i'm not surprised whatsoever the article also did mention which just was interesting 
which I think some of this is probably tied into cultural, but I think also now, I think now it's starting to hit the, the pockets. Um, I guess traditionally Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, they tend to stay at home with their parents and uh, black Americans also. But now you're starting to see white Americans, that number is increasing for them to stay at home. So I think now it's really starting to hit the pocket. I think some of what we're seeing, you know, like with Asian Americans or Hispanic Americans, I think some of that is cultural. Like I know a lot of the girls need to stay at home until they're married. That's still very, very traditional. But it is interesting to see that this is like across the board. So when did the Great Depression happen, Melanie? I know you're a history teacher, so enlighten us. How significant uh, are these numbers? I mean, Great Depression, I guess, starts in 1929 and lasted throughout the 1930s. Wow. And yeah, lasted an entire decade, and it's World War II that really brought us out of the Great Depression. So this is, this is not good. <laughs> Needless yeah, to say. I think it's our, our, second, our second economic crisis of our, of our lifetime. I couldn't, you know, the people I feel really bad for right now are the kids that just graduated college. Um, I mean, I've, I've been on LinkedIn. Um, when we moved to Denver, we took a risk. Um, thank God I got hired out here. Um, but if you go on LinkedIn right now, it's a bloodbath. And I couldn't even imagine those are people with typically people on LinkedIn have resumes built up. Um, but you're thinking about college graduates. I, I don't even, I can't imagine what all that student debt can't find a job. I mean, what are, are they working at? They're probably just trying to find anything right now just anything. to put, to put some, uh, just to have some income. So um, that's really disturbing numbers to uh, when I saw this study take place the other day. Um, yeah, I have a friend that uh, was laid off from their job, college degree, laid off in their job. They're in the hospitality industry, living in New York, and now they have to move back back home. So and and for people to be you know for people to say things like oh they should work harder this is something that's out of everyone's control you know it does not matter how hard you work things like that if if it's time to cut you from your position that company's going to cut you it doesn't matter how long you've been there what a great worker you are um they just they just see the red line those companies and that's all they care about yeah, no corporate America. Um, I mean, rightfully so, though. You have to understand a lot of businesses can't survive right now and just can't add jobs when there's no business. Um, consumer confidence right now is down, and you can understand why nobody's hiring uh, right now compared uh, before the coronavirus. So it's just, I'm not really surprised by these numbers. Um, you know, Gen Z and millennials have been getting hammered again by this, have been getting hammered by this um, current pandemic so um i don't know maybe we need to change our name of our show to keep blaming millennials and gen z i don't know no i don't want to give them we're here for you but i don't want to give them that much credit they don't they don't really know what it's like not yet welcome Um, welcome to the real world gen z i thought you were gonna be like a boomer and start talking down to gen z you're just saying welcome to the fun welcome to reality is that what you're Saying it yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't make fun. I, I, I said it last week. I hate when Gen Z makes fun of millennials, but bitch, you're in the same boat as me. We're, we are steerage on the Titanic. This <laughs> ship is going down. We're both fucked. Welcome to the party, Gen Z. Gang, gang. That's for you, Frankosaurus, wherever you are on Pedophile Island. 
All right, so now we're going to talk about a Miami Heart, a Miami Herald article that interested the both of us. Uh, we are both in education. Uh, the article is called "We Are Not Okay: Active Shooter Drills May Do More Harm Than Good." Studies show. Since the 1999 Columbine shooting in Colorado that left 12 students and one teacher dead, active shooter drills in the U.S. have become more common. These drills, sometimes unannounced, are designed to teach students and faculty how to act in the event of an active shooter is in their school, often involving mass gunmen, actors, and fake gunfire. In some instances, students learn how to quickly lock doors, turn off lights, and take shelter. But new research released Thursday shows that regardless of education level, the mental health of all involved is significantly stained with increased levels of depression, stress, and anxiety following these drills. There are 40 states that require active shooter drills to take place in schools, according to this report. Uh, the states that are not included are California, Alaska, Hawaii, Arizona, Idaho, Wyoming, South Dakota, Nebraska, West Virginia, Massachusetts. Although school shootings account for less than 1% of the 38,000 annual U.S. gun deaths, they happen mostly in high schools where the highest levels of stress and anxiety were found on social media surrounding drills, the report found. Uh, a nonprofit called Every Town for Gun Safety collaborated with Georgia Institute of Technology to analyze nearly 28 million Twitter and Reddit posts in a search for terms such as therapy, suicidal pain, and pills that could indicate heightened concern or fear around the time of scheduled drills. Depression, anxiety, and stress have soared after these drills. Uh, the research team discovered that social media posts alone displayed a 42% increase in anxiety and stress from the 90 days before the active shooter drills to the 90 days after them. Uh, signs of depression increased by 39% based on the post that featured the words therapy, cope, irritability, and suicidal following these drill events. Um, so when you hear these numbers, Melanie, uh, you've been a teacher since, how many years have you been a teacher now? I've been teaching since 2013. 2013. So um, I've been in education for a year and a half now. I'm still, or maybe less than a year and a half let's say a year more or less so you have way more experience you were working in Broward County at the time of Parkland the same county explain can you reminisce about that day how you felt what do you think of these active shooting drills yeah so um obviously I work you know I work in the district where I did work in the district where Parkland happened and it was weird because all of a sudden I'm I'm leaving work and I'm getting blown up. Everyone's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I had friends and family reaching out to me because they didn't realize what school I worked at. And they just heard, you know, Broward County. And, you know, obviously it wasn't me. Or it wasn't the school I work at. The next day we had to go to school. That was eerie and very uncomfortable and just I don't ever want to feel that feeling again. Uh, more than half the school didn't show up. We had empty classrooms. I think we were all on edge to be there. You know, the teachers had to be there. You know, I, I don't think anyone gives us credit. We we are there on the front lines, whether it's the pandemic or school shooting, and it just broke my heart 
that that f- it happened on a Thursday and we were there on a Friday and you know the kids are it crying. It was val- Valentine's Day, right? Valentine's it? Day was the shooting. It was on oh. a Thursday and you know we show up that Friday and everyone's upset and tense and quiet and crying and I'm upset because once again, you know, I remember I remember Columbine happening. I was 10. And that was weird. And I I really couldn't wrap my head around that one. But then here we are like 20 years, almost 20 years later, it's still happening. And I mean, what do you, what do you say to those, you know, those students? The day after Um, Parkland happened, you had, you said you had kids? We had very few. I would say, I would say there's probably like a handful of kids in the classroom and just, just really upset on an edge. You'd also, parents were pulling kids out. So it was, my school had way over 2000 kids. I would be surprised if we even had 800 that day. The the next day on Friday. The next day. Yeah. So yeah, it was just uncomfortable. Did you guys do any work that day or was it just like counseling for the kids or was it like, what were you you instructed that day to do? After something like that, what was it? Be- Park Lane was thirty less than what twenty miles away from you. Um, at thirty at the most. Thirty at the most. Okay. Thirty at the most. Um, no, I mean we didn't do any instruction that day. I think we were also told not to do any instruction, but because there's a li- you know literally five kids in the classroom, you can't do anything. And I don't know who wants to learn about math or world history when like a tragedy just happened in your own backyard. I think that's something too with with Parkland. I mean, we've seen school shootings, but you think in your head like, oh, it would never happen here. And there it is happening in Broward County at like the best school in Broward County. Um, so no, just kind of consoling the students. You know, I I watched I watched high school boys cry. And I'm not saying high school boys don't cry, but high school boys don't cry in public. And I just, my heart just broke over and over and over angry, you know, at the the school system, angry at the shooter, angry that these kids have to go through this. And then essentially what happened, you know, Broward County was at, found at fault with, uh, with some safety, safety things. And I can definitely say that, you know, the campuses aren't, that's secure. They are secure now, but at the time when that happened, it wasn't. And then essentially what they've done is they have drilled active shooter drills in Broward County schools. Um, We have had, oh my gosh. So Parkland happened when 2017, 2018, 2017. 2017. So my last uh, two years with the county, I would say we probably had active shooter drills. I don't know for at least at least four times a year. I think it's more than that. And it's as common as a fire drill now for anyone who's yes, yes, I absolutely. It is just as common, um, and it is an awful experience. So we and then we had to change the whole system too, because if if you're not familiar with the Parkland shooting, um, the shooter pulled the fire alarm and that is how he lured all of the, the the people out of their classrooms it was at the end of the day some teachers i guess thought it was weird because they guess they had a fire drill earlier that day but 
that is, I mean, that is how well thought it was. So it was actually like, I think a month after Parkland, our fire alarm went off and it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was like, it wasn't planned or anything like that. And no one left the classroom because everyone was like, holy shit, like, do you leave? So that's a new thing that we have in place now that they have to make an announcement to evacuate. Yeah. We're not allowed to leave because of that. Um, but basically we've had a range of active shooter drills. Um, we've had quite a few where they'll send a police officer on campus and um, they, you have to try to spot the intruder. And there's been times where that intruder is on campus for 15, 30, 45 minutes. No one's noticed. And then once someone notices, they call like the code red. But we've also have active shooting drills where they don't announce it. And they'll just, they'll just say like code red. And they've done this during lunch and in passing. And you will see just hundreds of kids just start running. I mean, it is pure chaos. And you try to like take as many kids as you possibly can. And it's just fucking awful. And I just, the one that really sticks out, it was last year. And they called, we were in class. They called a code red, did not say it was a drill. And the, I mean, I, li- I saw kids freeze. They literally froze. They forgot what to do you know, you're supposed to go in the corner. I remember just being so mad. You know, I start like barricading my door and I'm just so angry. I'm like, not today, motherfucker. Like, what is the steps? (laughs) So what are the steps that need to take place when an active shooter drill occurs? Okay. So your classroom door is already supposed to be locked. Um, and they have really reinforced that since, since the Parkland shooting. So your door should already be locked. You shouldn't even have to worry about that. Then you're supposed to cover your window, turn off the lights. You are supposed to put the students um, in a corner away from the door so they can't like look in. If you're on, I think the, if you're on the first floor, you're supposed to be away from the windows. And everyone's supposed to be quiet and huddled together. You know, you can obviously grab like you needed protection you know like a like a like a desk or something you could grab that but you're supposed to be as quiet as possible you're also supposed to barricade the door um even though the door is locked it needs to be barricaded just in case they try to shoot out the windows and you can slow them down because that's the whole the mentality of these active shooter drills is that the cops would be able to respond in 90 seconds so you need to keep that shooter out for 90 seconds. So you throw whatever you can at the door, stay quiet and, you know, just hope, I guess it's all going to be okay. Um, and you just, I don't know, it's just, it just sucks because I've, I've witnessed it where you don't like, you don't know it's a drill. And then you see these kids, like they're upset, they're texting, you know, I'm texting. I'm like, I've texted you being like, Hey, I don't know what's going on there's a code red. Sometimes they'll come up and be like, Hey, it's a drill. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's just a drill. Um, but it's, it's an awful feeling. I think it's really unfair to the kids. I think they feel really triggered rightfully. So, um, I don't think we need to practice this. I think it just instills more fear. I think it's kind of a fear mongering thing. You don't think it's necessary. I mean, not, not to do it 
you know, multiple times throughout the school year. And it's also gotten to the point too, and I've, I've witnessed this, you know, some kids take it serious and they get really scared and nervous. Other kids think it's a joke. And I've, I've heard them like laughing and running around in the hallway. So I don't, this is America. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that right? But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising those statistics breeding about, you know, people um, having, you know, seeing these kids deal with stress, anxiety, depression um, from these, you know, shooting drills. And it's, uh, it's not too fun, I think, to be a young person right now dealing with these shooter drills, this COVID stuff, um, uh, which is very, very odd time to be a young person in America to do with things, you know, you hear from our parents, I mean, they had a fire drill, and that was it, they didn't really have to even think about someone doing like the uh, doing something like this you heard about you know you hear stories of you know our parents oh when I got mad at someone I would just you know go confront them and fight them if I got my ass kicked I got my ass kicked to be over with it done with um but now it's it's weird how kids just uh just with all this pent up anger grab their parents gun go to a school and um just cause chaos but um and that also goes back to mental health a lot of these active shooters that have happened in the high school. And this is the other thing too. And this is where, because you asked me if I think it's necessary. I don't think you need to be doing active shooter drills in elementary school. Not at all. Cut it out. Like stop it. These with these, when these mass shootings happen, they happen in the high school setting. You do not need to be like hiding little kindergartners in, in the corner of the classroom. I mean, that is just like, that's terrible for your psyche. Maybe you do practice it a little more with high school. I think you need to announce it though. Um, the, my school district did both announced and unannounced. The current school district I'm at, apparently they always announce it because I, I asked and everyone was shocked by my experience. Um, I don't think you need to be doing it with young kids. Just don't, don't do it. Maybe you high do with kids. Y- maybe you do it with young kids, but you call it something else. Like, hey, not, this- I mean, not even like I, you know, there's only been one. What Sandy Hook? Sandy Hook, right? You know that was that was it. Um, that's not a normal thing. You know, security. You know, is I guess it really depends on the school. Um, you know, some schools have tightened on security, but you don't need to be doing active shooting drills with elementary school kids. Yeah. There's no need to do that. Do it with high school kids. I don't know. Do it once, once a year. We were supposed to do a training, just the teachers with blanks. They were going to fire blanks and see how we were going to react, which made me just like mad and upset and uh then parkland happened and we never ended up doing it oh wow that was actually supposed to happen before parkland i was assuming that was after parkland you were supposed to do the training with the blanks no we were supposed to do it the the year it happened and then i know they got pushed back and then we never ended up doing it so and i just i'm glad we didn't because i like i don't you know what? And I, I mean, I get it. Like they, they want to test your, your fight or flight. But if, if, I mean, if you're locked in a classroom, there's not much you can really do. Yeah. No, I don't, uh, definitely don't have the answers. Um, I mean, hopefully they've increased security and police officers at schools. Um, I, I, who knows what the solution is. Um, but anyways, it's still a shitty situation. Hopefully 
this we could figure out um yeah we better need to ways do more this. mental health mental health like that needs to be pushed all of those active like all of those shooters i understand they had but issues. i feel like you hear the mental health and like what does that really mean though what what are we doing here with the mental health you could just say that what what specifically are we doing are we getting these kids therapy are we getting them you know meds are we you know i don't People just say, you hear that, oh, we just need better mental health. Like, okay, you say that, and then nobody does anything about increasing mental health. I mean, I mean, Nicholas no, Cruz, right. for example, the, the Parkland uh, shooter, I mean, he was flagged so many times, was going to counselors. Yeah, and that's a failure, and then, and that's a failure of the school system. Well, what like, do you, I mean, what yeah. do you do? I don't know what you, I don't know. What but you're you should have also had better security. Because off of, you know, Instagram He was of age. Yeah, no, he, no, you're right. And then you're, you're going into freedom of speech and this and that, and he was kicked out of the school. He showed up at the end. You know, what do you, what are you supposed to do? Um, Unfortunately, you know, the cops didn't respond. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I will there's say no nothing's easy really, answer. Yeah, and nothing, nothing has true, nothing has really changed. I, they do have, I guess, you, you know, cops on, cops on campuses now. Um, I know before, we had a cop that was between two schools and now there's like constantly a cop there it makes because you feel a little better i mean know what, what i'd like to see to you know what i'd like to see if you're these high you know for these high school kids that um you know obviously a lot of these kids that do commit crimes uh, at their schools are using their parents guns like if anyone if any of these kids use their parents guns in some capacity you're there you're going to prison so that hopefully would enforce um stronger you know gun safety on their part locking up their guns absolutely uh, things like that so if you're if your son goes and grabs your gun and then calls something yeah you're going to you're on trial for for 30 years just like your son because you weren't responsible keeping that locked up i'm sorry that's just no i agree with maybe that keeps it you know without affecting you know people that are so gung-ho with their guns in this country maybe that's how um you know, keeping it out of young, young kids' hands, maybe that's a solution, but um, it's, it's such a touchy subject, so hard to get around, and I don't know how you fix it, but, so let's transition to a happier story. Um, tomorrow is the 19th anniversary of 9-11. When I was writing this show <laughs> sheet out today, I was, be like, please don't mess up and say happy anniversary. Don't say happy anniversary. <laughs> Because this is not a happy anniversary. Uh, it's the 19th anniversary of 9-11. I was 13, so you were 12, correct? Did I do uh, the math right? Yeah, 2001. Yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I barely remember any yeah. of my teachers. I barely remember any of my teachers, but I remember I was in Miss Benequisto's science class. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's I like- I can't even tell th- you who I was I, I remember and just, just being like, what is going on? And didn't really understand or grasp what was really going on. I remember during the day, um, I got my brothers and I got called out of school that day. So that's what I remember then going home and watching, you know, the, the videos. I didn't see the videos all day at school. They wouldn't show it to us, um, the teachers. So I, you know, we, we had an announcement, Hey, there's been a terrorist attack in the country. I'm 13 years old. I don't really, I don't even know what a terrorist is to be honest with you. Um, so it was just kind of hard to, without seeing the video to understand what was to understand and grasp what was going on. But then when I got called out with my brothers, go home, you see the videos. It's like, I felt like I was watching like a, like a nineties action, like Armageddon or uh, what was the one that had similar, like with the buildings uh, blowing up. What was the alien movie? Oh man. 
Oh, Will Smith, Independence Day. Okay. You see them running through the city with a building. Like, that's what it looked like to me. I was like, oh my God, this is real life. So that's, I mean, that was the most of my experience. You were in Virginia at the time. Your grandfather worked at the Pentagon? Yeah. So I grew up in Virginia. I probably grew up like 20, 20, 25 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. And... So my experience is different in the sense that they did not tell us that day what was happening, but we all knew something was happening because they kept coming over the intercom, telling the teachers to check their email throughout the day. And then you saw all these kids that were like getting pulled out early for early release, which was really strange. Um, And then sixth period, I had orchestra. I do remember my orchestra teacher, Miss Leidick, and that's when rumors started to spread. Like we, and I remember also our principal said, do not turn the TVs on. It's like, what is going on? And this is obviously before cell phones. So rumors started to spread. And I remember, I remember hearing the rumor and the rumor I heard in orchestra class, and this is just so stupid. This is like a game of telephone was a parachuter landed on the Washington monument. It's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So, and then she actually, I think she started to tell us because she said something about her husband worked at, there was a news, um, like a news company across the street from, from the Pentagon. And then right before dismissal, her principal comes on and then makes the announcement that we've been attacked and, you know, we were attacked in New York and DC and all of that and to go home and be with our families. And I remember going on the bus and every, like, I remember crying. I'm also a crier. Like I cry over everything. And I was just crying because I was like confused and scared. And I didn't know what was going on. And all the eighth graders were like, shut up, you little cry babies. And just being assholes. Um, and then I got home and then I thought it was weird because my mom was waiting for me at the bus stop. And then we waited for my sister and, you know, my mom told us the news and stuff like that. And we watched it on the news And I remember my mom had to go to Home Depot. (laughs) I don't know why she has to go to Home Depot on on September 11th, but my sister, and this is something that like was vivid, like we watched it on the news and then my sister started crying. She's like, I don't want to go to Home Depot. They're going to attack us. My sister was like five when it happened. Um, And then my grandpa did work in DC. He was a government contractor and he from what he told me, like he worked at the old executive building, which is right next to the White House. And he was supposed to be at the Pentagon that day for a meeting, but he was running late. So he skipped it. And so he stayed at his office building next to the White House. They obviously evacuated Washington, D.C. because they thought, um, you know, there was going to be more, more attacks. And we couldn't get in contact with him the whole day or like my mom couldn't and neither could my grandma. And I think he showed up, he had to walk back home from DC to Arlington. He usually took the Metro. He didn't get back home till like eight o'clock at night. How long of a, how long of a, how long of a trip is that typically if he took the Metro or drove? Um, I think it's probably like a 10, like maybe 20 minutes. I know he lived right by the Metro station and it dropped him off like right in front of the white house. So it wasn't a very long commute for him and he had to walk all the way back. And I think they shut down the Metro. I don't remember. I'd have to ask him because it's obviously been a really long time, 
Um, but yeah, we couldn't get in contact with him for a while. And then we didn't have school the next day. And then for a good month, jets flew over our house every single night because I guess they were patrolling DC. Yeah, what an odd time. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've really seen a lot in um, in our lifetime, if you kind of think about it, because then we go from 9-11 to uh, when we got Columbine, which was very, I feel like that was the first 99. big event. Uh, yeah, 99. Then, then 9-11 happens, and then we go right into the Iraq and Afghanistan. So... Um, yeah, very just, just seeing how that war transpired and what happened. And um, it's been a very, what, recession, then our pandemic. We've seen a lot, and I'm 32, you're 31. It's, we've seen our fair share of, um, I don't even know what to call it. I'm just like, I'm so speechless after everything these days. It's like, it doesn't stop. I would just, I would love some just cruise control and just things be chill and cool for a while. But, um, you know, 2020 has been a lot of fun and hopefully that ends soon. But yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to even articulate. I don't know about you, but just if you really think about everything we've seen, the world definitely changed after Ireland. Going to the airports, a pain in the ass now, uh, what the Patriot Act tracks everything you do, call every uh, internet search. Uh, I remember in high school, I had to, uh, I had to take a, I took a, like a karate class and like the FBI took my ID down and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird how 9-11 just really flipped everything on its head. Yeah. And then I also remember, this is like something that stood out to me too with 9-11, because where I grew up was just really, really diverse. My middle school was diverse. You know, we had like military families, but also, you know, lots of like African-Americans, Hispanics, you know, Um, we had a lot of like Asian students. But I remember for a good week, the Muslim students didn't come to school. And I just, I thought that was sad. Like I had, you know, and a lot of these kids, I grew up with an elementary school and, you know, they, they didn't show up for a week just because, you know, America was angry and America was stereotyping. And I just, I always thought that was really sad. I never, I hadn't, and I never heard anything when all those students, you know, the Muslim students came back, I never heard of anyone saying anything to them. I mean, I'm sure it happened, but I just, I just thought that was sad. Yeah, I'm sure it's, they've experienced what a lot of uh, Japanese Americans experience after Pearl Harbor, I'm assuming. Um, kind of a lot of racism and uh, at least, you know, they didn't get put into what camps <laughs> like the Japanese did. So um but yeah, it was, I'm sure they dealt with a lot of stuff and they still do to this day. Yeah. So. And it's crazy too, because um, the, I guess Gen Z, they, and even, even like, I guess millennials, like at the cusp, they don't know what September 11th is. And it's getting to the point too, I've, I've noticed since I've been teaching, I remember in 2013, I was asked like, oh, what happened that day? Like, do you remember? And all of that. And then since, and I think in 2014, I got asked the same question. And then after that, they haven't really asked. And I don't know, it's weird because then you also hear 
Like, oh, well, I always have a kid that's like, George Bush did 9-11. I'm just like, bro, stop. Like, I can't. They're like, oh, it's a conspiracy. It's like, dude, 2,300 people died that – or more than that, right? Like 3,000 people died that day. And say what you want to say, but that was sad. And, I mean, when I watch – I am 31. This happened 19 years ago. I still get tears in my eyes when I see like the twin towers, like the plane in it and it starts to fall. Like that is just so, just so sad. Yeah. That's still, it's still hard to watch this day. I, I, um, I never go out of my way to see that even on the anniversary. I'm just like, yeah, that's, yeah, I can't I'm good do on it. that. I'm good and on you that. just hear stories. Like, I think the one thing that really breaks my heart about like nine 11 is like the families that, they never like, you know, like the mom or the dad or the husband or the wife that never came home that day. And then you hear like some of them have like the voicemails of them calling. Like I cannot listen to that. Like you're saying like you like shit's going down and like you're saying goodbye. Like I can't. That stuff like still messes with me. No, I agree with you. Uh, hearing those stories, um, you know, what was it? The, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania where they try to take the plane back and then it crashed. Um, you hear a lot of those people were calling their family members telling them that this was, you know, what was going on and this was probably it. Uh, can you, something that I, you know, just cause of the world we live in now and with social media and our phones, everyone has a camera. Um, you know, that's why so many things these days, you know, the police brutality or just, you know, just anything these days is just getting exposed because everyone has a camera. Could you imagine what September 11th, do you think it would have been even more chaotic if the internet was huge and everyone had a camera phone and all the, 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 the Facebooks and the lives. And I couldn't imagine what a Twitter or a Facebook or uh, what social media in general looked like if there, if that was around during nine 11 or if there was another event, hopefully, you know, God forbid that would happen. I couldn't imagine what social media would be. No, you're probably right. I think it would be, it would be a mess and it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but you know, we see a lot of these like mass shootings, right? And we see like video footage. The first thing that goes on in my head, I, I get why you want to record an inner, like a interaction with the cop. I understand that, especially like if you're like a bystander, but like that Las Vegas shooting and all these other shootings, why aren't you running for your life? I also hate that. Why are you going into it trying to get rid of Yeah, like why have we turned into this society where our first reaction is to pull out the phone? Like, I mean, I even see it in the, like, it's obviously not as big, but like in the high school setting, they film film the fights. I think it's disgusting. Like, why is that our first reaction? And I think if anything, like if if a 9-11 were to happen, I think survival of the fittest, I think a lot of people be like, oh, I'm going to catch this. I'm going to get so many views, blah, blah, blah. And instead of running for their life, I think people want the clout now. If people, if the first thing that comes to your mind during some shit that's going down that may affect your safety and the first thing you think about is to pull out your phone so you can get likes or videos, you probably deserve what's coming to you. Yeah, survival of the fittest. Yeah, like if you're going to be that dumb that you deserve what's coming to you. But people do it all the time. Yeah, no, it's a weird, um, it's definitely a weird construct of our current uh, society in relation to um, social media and our phones. Uh, so let's transition to my favorite time of the show, the lighter part of our show, Melanie's Tea Time. I have no Mortal Kombat <laughs> music for you to introduce you. 
Oh, Frankosaurus just living it up right now, drinking all the adrenochrome. He's probably so drunk on adrenochrome right now with his uncle George Soros and Tom Hanks. How do you think that's mixing with the Trump roll and the Sleepy Joe? I'm sure I'm going to get more text. I'll have more <laughs> text tonight. But tea time. We've made it, Melanie. Tea time, our favorite part of the show, the lighter, fun part of the show. Maybe we should do the lighter part in the beginning and then get to the dark stuff. I, I don't know. <laughs> our I don't... poor listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of them are just like, this is, this is, I hate, I hate everybody. I hate everything. So. No, but I guess, like, honestly, like, since, you know, our listeners, if you're out there listening, let us know, like, are you fine with the setup? Do you want us to go happy, sad, or, you know, happy, sad, happy, sad, or start out with the sad stuff, then go I don't really, th- I don't think really transitioning from 9-11 to <laughs> Odell Beckham getting defecated on is something we really want to transition with. So that's why I kind of keep it the structure. You know, there's a method okay. to my madness, Melanie. Okay. Okay. Well, you have to have, yeah, there's some transitions we have to like work through. So that's <laughs> the reason why I have it set up like we do. Okay. All right. So this week, this week has been good for tea time. Um, so I'm going to start with the gender reveal in California that started a wildfire and has burned over 7,000 acres. The brilliant parents-to-be decided to light some pyrotechnics or some fireworks for their gender reveal. And I can't imagine being that child once they they come to this earth and be like, oh shit, my birth, like my parents are responsible for starting a wildfire to announce my gender. Do you think their parents are going to be like charged with a crime or fine or anything? I think they they should. I mean, I think it's really stupid right now. I'm, I mean, I obviously don't know what the rules are in California, but in Colorado, it has been so dry. We have had fire warnings the entire summer. You were not allowed. We've had fire bans. You can't do anything. Yeah. Like our, fireworks. Our, our air quality has been, uh, what well, they said, it's been worse than the air quality in India and China, which has awful pollution because of these fires. Yeah. So I would imagine that California has the same standards in place. And for you to be just like so selfish, so dumb. Um, and guess what? Like, I'm going to be honest. And I, and I don't really care if you're offended by this statement, but like no one cares about your gender reveal. Like, stop it. Like, no one cares. Who started this? I feel like this is kind of new, the whole gender reveal. So apparently, it's actually funny because now it's gone full circle. So I don't, I guess she's a blogger or something, but basically this woman in 2008 did a gender reveal. I guess she did, you know, something really cute, like made a cake and you cut into it and it's, you know, blue for a boy, pink for a girl. And she kind of started the trend. But now what has happened with these gender reveals is they are just like over the top. Chris, like people have died from gender reveals. Like not only, mind you, in California alone, this is the second fire caused by a gender reveal second one this is the second second one okay and then it gets better um okay so it's super popular to do these gender reveals and for anyone listening no when i decide to have a child i'm not doing a gender reveal i'm gonna tell you bitch it's a boy or i'm having a girl and that's about it. just like that Bitch, it's a boy. That's what you're. Bitch, it's a boy. Bitch, it's a boy. Okay. Motherfucker, it's a girl. I don't. 
Okay, that's gonna be our announcement when it comes. <laughs> bitch, it's yeah, a boy. I, bitch, it's well, a girl. Well, I'm not. I'm not having a party, and I'm not doing a gender reveal. I'm just gonna be like, "Hey, we're pregnant. It's a girl." Okay, that's that's the way I'll do it. So old fashioned. We'll keep it old fashioned. Old fashioned yeah, like why are we having once again? Like why are we having another party? Like you're gonna have a baby shower. Like why are you having two two parties? for the baby and then you're gonna have all these baby parties once the baby's born like i don't get it i love some of the videos where like they have the dad like uh like throw a football (laughs) or try to make a jump shot or like try to hit a baseball and then it like explodes and then it like reveals like the gender of the baby i love like kirk cousins the professional quarterback for the vikings had one where he had to like hit a target Uh and he completely whiffed on it and missed it it was so embarrassing (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so dumb so yeah it's just i guess it's well, more out on facebook you know i need to let yeah nobody cares about, about your nobody cares about your baby nobody gives a yeah. damn yeah no seriously no one cares no one cares like, i mean we're happy for you but nobody like yeah. i don't care about a gender reveal but apparently these gender reveals <laughs> they like they are becoming dangerous okay so obviously two fires have started um Another one, of course, like in Florida, they also had a fire from a gender reveal. And then a plane crashed because of a gender reveal. And one also, a gender reveal killed a grandma. How did it kill a grandma? There, she got hit by like shrapnel, shrap, shrapnel. Shrap metal? What, from like fireworks or something? You know how like, like when you have a bomb, there's like explosions? I don't really, I've never really had a bomb. (laughs) Well, basically when you have a bomb and I guess what happened is they did a gender reveal and they accidentally created a pipe bomb and then when it exploded, the shrapnel, there's, I don't know how to say it. You got, you're close. Just keep I'm close. Okay. Anyway, it killed grandma. Hmm. Yeah. Hey grandma, bitch, it's a boy. Oh, grandma's (laughs) dead. (laughs) That baby boy would have really loved grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, dude. yeah so and then the lady that invented gender reveals has come out after the fire and said stop having these stupid parties so she has regret about it too little too late california is on fire and everyone's leaving it's what happens when it's run by liberals <laughs> What do we got next? All right, next. Um, oh my God, this is this is huge news, and I'm 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 I was ready for this news. So after 14 years and 20 seasons, keeping up with the Kardashians is finally over. Woo! Some good Woo! news in 2020. Oh my God, I finally know. Right, some good news. Oh my God, I I'm not gonna lie. When the show first came out in 2007, I was a fan. Like I love trash TV. My mom would get mad at me. Why are you watching that trash? I'm like, it's so good. And then I have just really like I am fatigued over the Kardashians. Like I'm so over them. I'm so over seeing them on everything. I think they are just everything that's wrong with you think it's over because they got too, do you think it's over because they got too big for the show like they just don't need it anymore like what's the point or is it just so, do you think people are done, like e was over it the the family's over it or there was no need for it so apparently like they obviously haven't come out and said like the reason apparently the ratings um it's obviously not as popular as it once was but it still pulled in pretty big 
uh, ratings on E. Um, but I think there's I think there's two reasons. A, I think a lot of it has to do with Kanye and Kim. Like Kanye is obviously like having like a mental breakdown. Um, and then also Courtney is no longer a part of the show. Like she's done with it. I think it caused kind of like a rift. Um, I think, I think the family might finally, finally be over it. And it's just about damn time. And it's not even good to watch anymore. Like it's not even, I haven't watched it in a really long time. And it's just, it's not like 2007 Kardashians. No, I mean, I'm glad it's over with, but I mean, Hey man, this through this, who would have, I never would have thought this would have thrown them in the stratosphere that they're at. I mean, they're, I mean, the amount of money I mean, yeah. that show has created billions of dollars in wealth for them. I mean, it's pretty amazing that a reality. All because of a sex tape. A sex tape is what started it. You know, just like a gender reveal, reveal started, you know, 7,000 acres to burn. You know, a one sex tape caused. Started a billion, a billion dollar. dollar corporation. <laughs> Jesus. My sister needs to start sucking dick better so we can get rich. Oh my. You hear me? God <laughs> damn obviously it's not no i mean i'm also like i saw that on the internet i can't even take full credit for it but that's that's the running joke you should have took credit for that no because someone's gonna be like "Mm, you know what you just plagiarized that all right well you could have ran with it anyways (laughs) r.i.p to the kardashian show they got their money i think they i think they got the w in the end I don't think this even I don't even think this even bothers any of them to be honest with you. No, they are some of the most I think recognizable people in the entire world. Like you're going to tell me you don't know who Kim Kardashian I don't even, is? Not even just recognizable, like they've created like a whole like culture of how to dress, makeup, how to how like what is perceived as beauty now, you know, the giant lips, the giant hips, the fake everything surgery Mm -hmm. like they've created a whole look where you go on instagram and everybody's trying to look like this family it's kind of weird and creepy but they've they've like formed a whole like uh just what you know what no i I guess the movie is now yeah yeah but I also will say, like, I mean, yes, like you, I mean, you can see it in like fashion and plastic surgery, but I also want to point out like the Kardashians have totally appropriated black culture. Well, that's a, and yeah. I, and I, no, and I, I want to say and that. What, in what way though? What do you mean by that? Like the look, like, I mean, you see like. Like what, when we were growing you, up, like, it's like you weren't pretty if you weren't like bone skinny and then they made it like a thing like, oh, you're, if you're big and curvy yeah, like you have a huge skin, like voluptuous yeah. and um i mean they have been they have ripped off like black designers like it's it's a big thing when it comes to the kardashians and i'm only saying that because i don't i don't want to act like you know they're like i don't mean i don't think they're great but they they definitely have i think ripped off some culture but then it's like they don't have to deal with the consequences of ripping off the culture so I mean, they've, they were, I mean, they are the definition of this time and space in American culture. I mean, they've, they pretty much, you know, with this reality show, the makeup, the social media, I mean, they've, I don't know if there's a family or business or any type of um, brand that has um, hit it 
much no, better than the Kardashians. Right. No, they're super successful. Uh, the saying is the devil works hard, but Kris Jenner works harder. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is facts. I mean, Hey, they're all virtually billionaires. So I think the Kardashians don't give a shit about being done with the show. I think they've, uh, the show was a launching point and then they just took everything to another level. And now they're, uh, they got billionaire money. So I guess shout out to the Kardashians props to you guys. And Kim, I still watch that video every once in a while. Shout out to you. Ray J. Uh, I hit it first. <laughs> Did he really make a song? He made a song called I hit it first, right? Yeah. I hit it. I hit it. I hit it first. I'm sorry for everyone that just heard my lovely singing voice. Maybe next time we'll get, um, we'll have Frankosaurus play the background music. You can do some karaoke to Ray J. Actually, okay. no, Sounds nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> that is that is the song. All right. Um, so moving on. So yes, we will no longer be keeping up with the Kardashians. I also hope that means though, honestly, like I'm so sick of seeing them in the news cycle. I don't want to see them in the news cycle anymore. Oh, well, like, you keep talking about them. I'm ready, I'm ready to move okay. on. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. On to the next subject. Sorry. Next one. All right. So we talked about these girls a few weeks ago and they're back. So these are the same women from. From the, my, the Phoenix Suns, right? These are the same women. Yes. No, I didn't think. Yes. Wow. Okay. These are the same women from the Phoenix the Phoenix Sun Gang Bang. I guess it's not a gang bang. It's a train. I don't know. It was a whatever, a party. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know the full story, but I guess those girls, these Instagram models, I guess they have a podcast and they are airing out everyone's dirty laundry so they brought on another guest and i don't know any of these girls names but basically guest came on and um she had some stuff to say about odell beckham and his sexual preferences and apparently he likes poop he likes to get shitted on apparently with the story she did say it's alleged so she can't get sued and apparently odell beckham asked for a video of her on the toilet like you know going number two and apparently she sent the video and tried to make it sexy don't know how you make that sexy and then he flew her out and she couldn't perform and then that was it Wow. I'm trying to think of like the logistics. You know, when I hear stories like this, I always, I try to wonder, you know, how this all transpires. Like, all right, girl, send me that video of you dropping a deuce, be sexy in it. And then like when she, you know, she, he flies her out and everything. Does he like, Hey girl, hey, you know, what's her name? Ash, let's just say Ashley. Hey, Ashley, make sure you uh, eat two large Wendy's chilies before you come over. Oh my God. Like, like, I don't even know how this works. Like, I don't know. Is there like a tarp? Like, are they in the shower? Yeah, you gotta, no, yeah, right, you can, yeah, because right. you don't want to mess up the bed either. So, yeah, are, are they sitting like on some like tarp on the bed? And he's just sitting there, like, oh, right on my chest, right on my tattoos. So, 
yeah, I don't know. And, you know. <sighs> His girlfriend is beautiful. Like, are, I guess guys are just dogs. Like, if you saw this girl, you would, if you saw her, you'd be like, man, like, she definitely just takes Xanaxes all day. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, hey, man, um, maybe she's just one of those girls that get passed around by professional ball players. if these are the same one of the same girls um, that had the run in with the Phoenix Suns. So I guess the athletes or whatever, I guess there's a whole squad of them. They, they hit up and have them do the things their girlfriend won't do. I, but this is also like, this is, this is next level, you know, like, I don't, I mean, whatever, if you're into, if you're into that, but that's, that's just some like next level shit. And I also don't know how I feel was that about, a pun? was that a pun? <laughs> I don't think that was supposed to be a pun. No, it wasn't supposed to be. But I also don't know how I feel about these girls airing the the dirty laundry um, because I'm under the impression that they're getting paid. And if you're getting paid, I don't know, you're agreeing to it. Like, look at the age we're in the social media age. They're trying to get famous. Like, we're talking about them. I'm sure people, I'm sure they've gotten thousands and thousands of followers now since the Phoenix Sun story and now this. So, I mean, they could be lying and playing everybody, but. I'm assuming now these girls are going to have to start signing NDA, uh, NDAs before they start hanging out with uh, these athletes. They got to do what uh, Derek Jeter does. Derek Jeter, I think, takes their phone, makes them sign an NDA. Well, this is what he used to. He's married now and has a kid. But his, he used to make them sign an NDA, I think, have them leave their phone up front. And then on the way out, when he was done with them, he'd give them a nice gift basket. I don't know what was in the gift basket. Oh, my God. No. I. Yeah, no. <sighs> I feel like I used to know because I've talked about Derek Jeter and the gift basket. And apparently he if also. If you tell me you know exactly what was in the <laughs> gift basket, then I'm assuming you signed the NDA. No, 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 no. I did not. Um, I've never met Derek Jeter, right. but I've, I've had this conversation before. I would never know. You would know. You could totally get away with that. I would never know if you've actually. <laughs> I'd apparent- actually be happy. He's my favorite, my favorite athlete of all time. Well, I think. That was think Derek I've- Jeter. Derek I- Jeter, number two. Number two. Um, Derek Jeter. (laughs) All right, sorry. Um, No, apparently Derek Jeter also likes to watch his own film when he's naked. He's like, yeah, Jeets, go Jeets. Like he cheers himself on. That's what I heard. He watches his sex tapes or he watches himself play baseball? Play baseball. Oh, wow. I need to, yeah, I need to ask my my source. Um, I, I promise it's not me. This is like my coworker knows the story, and I think everyone gets a baseball in the the gift. Yeah, basket. I think they get a signed baseball in the in the basket. <laughs> hey, man, Derek Jeter right. has it right. You know, if he's getting defecated on, at least nobody knows about it because he made them sign an NDA. So maybe Odell Beckham. The needs thing to, is, uh, needs to tighten his game up. All these athletes do. You need to get these. No, girls. the thing is, it's a it's a it's a super common practice to sign NDAs. Like everyone signs NDAs well, now. So I don't Phoenix know. Suns and Odell Beckham. I I mean I don't know. I want I want to know the loophole, and I you know I guess Odell Beckham isn't obviously coming out. Like you're gonna admit that, but I I am curious about the loophole because there are countless people that sign um, NDAs. I mean even if you're even if you're like. The, the, the private like if you're a chef for the kardashians you have to sign an nda like justin bieber uses ndas it's 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 super common so i'm i'm curious who has the ndas like does like justin bieber like have like 
a suitcase or a backpack just like with a folder of NDAs and be like right before they have sex he's like hey like I see where this is going do you mind like you know sign this NDA or like I have to leave like I guess that's how it works I don't know no, how I I've heard oh, a story he about lawyer like a security guard has it I don't yeah so I've heard a story with Justin Bieber um like you know obviously like he'll invite people back I mean not anymore or whatever but before you enter the room you have to sign the NDA Oh, period. Period. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, I know another person that uses like NDAs and they're such like a D-list celebrity, but on Vanderpump Rules, like Lala and her her man, her her fiance, he produced what the movie The Irishman. Um, he's all about signing NDAs. So it's very common you sign the NDA before you like agree to hanging out with that person. Like I guess that is a part of the NDA. Okay. Shout out to NDAs. All right. So this one makes me really sad. Um, and if you know me. Is this a sad story? I thought we were going to happy stories. It's not. No, no, no. It's not a sad story, but it makes me personally sad. Okay. So Taco Bell has eliminated five more menu items. So I think Why? that brings the total to 12 items and guys they are eliminating amazing things like some of my favorite things so the list includes and this is the thing if you like know me and chris like we really like taco bell um we have spent like we can drop some money at taco bell um because it's, it's it's so good um so things that they've gotten rid of they've gotten rid of their Spicy potato tacos, like their Fiesta oh, those potato are tacos. So good. You can also get it a cup with cheese. They've gotten rid of Nacho Supreme, Burrito Supreme. They've gotten they got rid, rid of, of the Burrito Supreme. Yes. That's my favorite burrito. I thought you I know. That's what I asked you the other oh. day. And you're like, oh, I don't I don't eat that. I'm like, you do eat it. Um I wasn't paying attention, clearly. They've gotten rid of the Mexican pizza. Oh no. Um, the Mexican pizza. I guess we'll get. They'll get rid of it uh, officially in November. So I have to get one more because, like, I love Mexican pizza. They got rid of their grilled steak taco. Oh, I'm sorry. Seven layer burrito. That's not the the burrito supreme. Yeah, you're about to scare me. Don't. That's my sorry. favorite burrito out of any burrito. Nacho Supreme they got rid of. Nacho Supreme is bomb. I okay. love nachos. I just I love the shitty cheesy sauce from Taco Bell. Um spicy tostada. I love the fake cheese. They got rid of their potato loaded griller, beefy nacho loaded grill griller. Um I literally don't know what you just said there. <laughs> they got rid of their loaded grillers. They have a cheesy potato one and a beefy nacho okay. loaded griller. Um, they got rid of their triple la triple layer nachos. Um, it's like sounds like they're getting rid of the whole menu. Yeah, and a lot of like vegetarians are pissed off because you know everyone would eat potatoes. And if I'm being completely honest, when I go to Taco Bell, um, pretty much like I don't even order like meat anymore. I just do beans and potatoes. Yeah. So I'm also sad. And yeah, it seems like they're getting rid of everything. They're getting rid of the queso the quesarito um but you can't order it in store but you can order it online ahead of time okay and the rumor not the rumor but i guess there's like they're doing this to make taco bell more efficient 
I don't know, like they're pretty quick. Like I've been there and I've ordered all of those items and they're, they're pretty quick about it. So it's sad. I'm really disappointed. Apparently you're going to have new items, but how do you get rid of the potatoes and the Mexican pizza? I've been eating Mexican pizza for 30 or sorry, 25 years. I was about to say 30 years. years. You're one years old, you started eating Mexican pizzas. <laughs> That'd be bad. But um, yeah, I've been eating Mexican pizza for 25 years. Like that is like an iconic Taco Bell staple and it's going away. And they're saying that's because of like the amount of trash it creates. So I have a, I love Mexican pizzas, but I have a bad story. I have about Mexican pizzas. Are you, are you going to, sh- you're going to share the story? So when I was, when I was a child, I <laughs> was very happy and I got a Mexican pizza. And as soon as my mom handed me the Mexican pizza, we, we were eating in the, you know, we got it through the drive through and I she handed me the Mexican pizza and I opened it and I dropped it f- right with the cheesy side down on the bottom of my van, on the van, my parents' van. And I got a spanking because of it. And um, to this day, I have Vietnam flashbacks whenever I hear the words Mexican pizza. Mexican pizza. I go back to when I got a spanking for dropping a Mexican pizza on the rug of my van. So um, I will not miss the Mexican pizza. Rotten hell Mexican pizza. You only brought horrible memories. So <laughs> at least I didn't get rid of my burrito supreme. So I'm good. So Taco Bell. I have yeah, been, you're good. Yeah. I have a new friend in. Ta- I have a new taco place, anyways, in Colorado, Denver. Shout out to Del Taco. I think it's better than Taco Bell. Yeah, they're that's my nachos. hot take. That's my hot take yeah. for the day. Out of everything we talked about, Del Taco is better than Taco Bell. Agreed. And their cheese sauce on their nachos is yeah. like fuego. Yeah, you guys come out here and you visit. You guys hit a dispensary. I'll take you to Del Taco, and then you'll understand. So, so where are we at next, Melanie? Where are we going on tea time? Um. Thropples. Thropples. Explain what video you saw the other day on TikTok that you decided to share with me. No, first of all, you shared it with me. I shared it with you. Okay. You did. You did. I do share a lot of TikTok videos. I'm a big fan of TikTok. I don't make the videos. I just watch them. But Chris sent me a um, a video of a thropple. Two girls and a guy. And apparently the three of them are in a relationship. And they're together. And... This one was kind of surprising because I've seen thropples before on the Daily Mail, um, but they were like rather attractive people. Like they and were young. young, they were They're young. Our age. They're our age for sure, early thirties, late twenties. Yeah, and they were attractive. The girls were both like really cute. You know, the guy was attractive, and apparently they're a thropple. And it's not a, just about the sex; it's about the relationship and the connection. So um, definitely fake. Had to be fake, right? Can this really work too? There's no way two women would not get jealous of sharing a man. It's just not possible. So this is like, this is becoming, I guess, a lot more mainstream of having these like open relationships or thropples or polyamorous. Um, This is what people, this is what millennials are doing now because they don't want to move back in with their parents. So they're all just (laughs) from an economic issue. It's like, Hey, the three of us, you know, we all look kind of good. Let's just, you know, we all have part-time jobs. We can we can afford rent now. So let's just do this together. That's my theory. 
It's not just millennials though. Like older people are also doing this. So it's not just a millennial thing. I mean, I don't know. Obviously like I, like me personally, I couldn't do it. I also like, I just, I wouldn't want another person in a relationship, male or female, like, no, thank you. Like, you know, like I'm enough on my own, Chris, you're enough on your own and I can't take care of another person or have another person to worry about. And like, yeah, you're right. Like I know me, like I would get jealous if there's another girl, like, okay, like you're not paying attention to me, you know? And then do you women hate other women? So yes, yeah, there's no way this can work. There's no, it has to be fake. It has to be just for clout, for YouTube views. That's, that's my conspiracy theory for the episode. Well, there's more TikTok videos. I have not watched them, but what I'll do, this will be my homework for the week. I will go on TikTok and I will watch these Thropple videos and then tell you if I, if, tell you guys if I think it's real or fake. Is it a, is it a, is it a scam so they can save money or do they truly love each other? All right, and then um, our next and our last story. Um, Is it a story? It's, it's football season. We're back, it's baby. Football season. We're yes. back, baby. Football season. We got the right now. The Chiefs and the Texans are on, and the Miami Hurricanes are barely beating UAB because the Hurricanes are always fucking trash. Oh, you got sound effect. Don't even. Well, I wanted that's, that's to really Monday say, Night Football. That's Monday Night I, Football. But what about the song? Are you ready for some football? That's Hank. Mon- Who is that? Monday Night Football. Yeah. Didn't he get in trouble? Isn't he a racist? He said something about like he. I think he sympathized with like the Nazis or something. That that was the end of oh. him being on. On. Uh, I think that was the end of him being on Monday Night Football. Yeah, that was like my childhood. Are you ready for some football? For some football. Oh, a Monday Night Party. I'd always sing the song. I wouldn't watch it, but I, you know, my you dad would put song? it on. Yeah, I remember the song, like, because every Monday night, my dad was watching football, and I would sing the song, and then, I don't know, not pay attention. Are you excited about football season at all, or no? You can give a shit less. I can give a shit less, but, okay. because, okay, there's a few reasons. I think there, I, I can only tolerate, I like college football, Pro football, I think, and I'm a little footballed out. I'd rather watch other professional sports. I'd rather watch, like, basketball or hockey. I think football feels really long. But the reason why I'm over football is, and this is such a first-world problem, my dad was a Miami Dolphins season ticket holder for, I think, like, five years of my life. And I just, I just saw so much football, and I'm so over it. And then, you know, it's that. And then you're obsessed with football. So I had my fantasy draft this week. Gang, gang. Yeah, Chris, why don't you tell everyone the name of your fantasy football team? The name of my fantasy football team? Yeah, what's the name of your fantasy football team? 69ers. The 69ers. Yes. How old are you? 32. (laughs) And then why don't you tell tell everyone how much it cost to get into your football league this year. What was the fee? $69. $69. And my husband's fantasy football team is the 69ers. It's a good name. It's funny. 
You don't it, think it's, it's funny? No, it is funny. It's funny. I would say it's clever. I, I do appreciate uh, this. I, I will say this. I do appreciate like fantasy football teams, like the names. Um, and also I, I know this person's in your league. I don't know who it is. I don't know why, but someone had like their, their league name was like two dads. And I thought that was hilarious. That's my brother. He has a picture. Okay. He has a picture of <laughs> two guys, of two, two guys, two dads. Yeah. It just, it makes me laugh. Um, we have some, we had, um, guess what, what Frank's was, team name is. I, I don't know. Soros. <laughs> no better. So there is a, my former Miami Dolphin football tight end back in the day, his name was Anthony Fasano. So he named okay. the name of his team is Antifa Fasano. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> um, I did. So I didn't realize this. Like I just, I just thought like whatever people come up with names and like, you know, puns and stuff like that. I didn't realize that people make team names off of football players. Like I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, you didn't like, know it was like play on words. So like, yeah, the, I didn't. Yeah, so I didn't like know baby. That. So some of the names we got: baby got Dak for Dak Prescott, Murray up and wait. So let me show. Let me share the one that I really liked. And mind you, like I don't know who any of these people are, um, but this one I did really like. Hot chub time machine. That's not bad. <laughs> Here's my number. So call me Brady. <laughs> that one's good. I really like that one. I knew who Tom Brady is. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who he is. His name is Alvin Kamara. Yes. And oh my Bring God. back for the Saints. Okay. So team names include Kamara Virus, <laughs> Lights Kamara Action. Um, I don't know. I really like those two. Those two like made me giggle. So this Kamara was a virus. This guy was a running Lights. back. This was like my, my all time favorite name. And I think actually Yahoo Sports banned the guy. It's actually like became like, I think a story. They banned the guy for his name. Uh, the the running back's name was Legarrette Blunt, and his the some guy had a team name Legarrette Smokes Blunts. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> such a great name. So, shout out to football season. We're back. Hopefully, coronavirus doesn't fuck it up for everybody. Because that will be interesting. I I am. Patrick Mahomes currently to watch. has thrown three touchdowns for me, so I'm doing pretty good so far. My quarterback. Oh, you got Patrick my homies? Mahomes. Yeah, I got my homies. My dog. Oh. Also, another one I like, I know who Baker Mayfield is. Apparently, one of the names is Mayfield of Dreams. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. There's got to be a good Odell Beckham with the, the shits or something. I don't know. There's got to be an Odell shits one. Someone, I'm sure someone in the internet world made a good fantasy football team. Uh, oh, I like, last night I took an Elliot Ezekiel what ezekiel elliott one of the team names is last night i took an l it um, last night I took an l you know okay. oh the song okay the song yeah 99 uh, problems but a fits ain't one there we go ryan fitzpatrick dolphins will not disappoint no. me this year this is the year the dolphins got it ryan fitzpatrick taking us to the goddamn super bowl probably not i get my hopes up every year i'm not letting the dolphins fuck up my sundays anymore we got the patriots on sunday we're gonna win and that's all i have to say about that so they're not gonna fuck your sundays up anymore they always will and they always have been okay because i don't i don't believe that there's we a saying for miami dolphins fans melanie nobody hates the miami dolphins more than miami dolphin fans 
Okay. That's how we're going to end the show today. We want to thank Frank for not showing up today because he's a punk ass bitch drinking Adrenochrome with his uncle George Soros. And Melanie, great show today. Uh, thank you for everyone that's listening. Follow us on Facebook at Keep Blame Millennials. Follow us on Instagram, Keep Blame Millennials. Or Instagram, what did I say? Yeah, I say Facebook it, and Instagram. Facebook keep, and Instagram. Yeah. Follow us on Keep Blaming Millennials for the both of those social network sites. So keep listening. Thank you guys again. We will be back. Peace.